Hey everyone, it's Phil from the Two Red Gringos. I know you guys have been eagerly awaiting the second part of our Eight Crazy Years series about FSG, uh, and this is it. It is going to cover the Brendan Rogers era at the club. You can check out part one at our website, tworaygringos.com, if you missed it. You can also check it out on iTunes and Google Play. Um, check out part one for the Hodgson and Dog Leash years uh, right at the beginning of FSG's tenure. And part two is going to head right into the Rogers era, starting with the 12-13 season all the way through. So a um, couple of interesting uh, periods in here for the club. A lot going on, a lot of discussion. Uh, the moments, the goals, the transfers, uh, the ups, the downs, everything in between. So I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, if you do, follow us on Twitter at Two Red Gringos and check out our website, like I said, TwoRedGringos.com. I do hope you guys enjoy the show and keep an eye out for part three coming soon. So we moved to 12-13, and this is, as you, as you said off pod, this is the beginning of the Brendan Rodgers era. So we saw that we saw that Doug Leash was not the man to move forward, um, and, and FSG tried to play a little bit of money ball um, with the manager job as well, and they, they hired Brendan, who had had some, some good years at, at Swansea. Uh, and, uh, I mean, did you, did you react when, when Rodgers was hired, or was it, Kind of a, uh, like, we don't really know what this guy's going to bring at a big club. Yeah. And I remember my my brother was actually really excited about it just because he had he had kind of paid attention to the type of football that they had played at, at Swansea and all that prior. So he was excited because he was like, okay, this is getting back to the style that that Liverpool has always been known for like good possession passing or passing based football. And I was like, why are you not just going out and bringing in, you know, kind of like my love for Heineken, like go out and bring in like the heavyweight coach, right? When we're debating Klopp and Carlo, I'm like, go out and get the sure thing. Right. Get so the that guy who's been there. So the, yeah, that, that kind of shed some light on my whole take on just about everything in life. But <laughs> But no, it was 
it was exciting. And, and you misquoted me. I did say it was the start of the Brendan Rodgers era. But what I said was it was the start of the Brendan Rodgers slash warrior era. Right. Which is really <laughs> the, the two things are synonymous, right? Like, war, you know, a, a few feel good moments with their kids. But overall, it's pretty shit. <laughs> uh so the twelve thirteen season starts, um, and I I think the the best transfer. So we talk about the transfers in, and you and you talked about in that summer <laughs> what Brendan had had to work with. I think it's worth mentioning all three of these just because of the just the lack of impact uh, that we saw from all three. So. The three summer signings, <laughs> the marquee signing, a new manager has taken over Liverpool FC, and he's going to put his stamp on the squad. <laughs> Who are you bringing in? And he signs Fabio Barini, Joe <laughs> Allen, and Usama Isaidi. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> there was not another sign. Uh, excuse me. He did make one loan signing. Nuri Shaheen, which we talked off pod, was, was the one where it's like, okay, like this is a guy who... He's a known quantity. He's coming from a, yeah. a title-winning side in Dortmund, and he's been bought by Real Madrid, and they're loaning him out to get some you know, international experience. And, and uh, you know, he's kind of a sure thing. And of, the three, or of those four, the person to have the most impact on Liverpool, which is sad to say, is Joe Allen. Oh, yeah. We, I, I don't know how often... And Lalana, I think we've mentioned this before, has kind of become Klopp's Allen, maybe almost, right? Like who embodies who embodies your style, your ethos as a manager? But the problem was is that like in the amount like fifteen million for Joe Allen. Like fifteen million is nothing now, right? It, it it's nothing. But fifteen million at the time for Joe Allen was basically like a 200% tax on like, you know, Rogers grabbing one of his Swansea players. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the whole notion of like Allen was, okay, bring him in. Maybe it's worth it. Bring him in to help the squad embody this style, get a player that knows your tactical approach. But we never, we never really saw that under Rogers, even the following year in 13, 14, the style we played was not, necessarily possession-based football. So we, Joe, has always been a little bit of a cult figure on LSE Twitter. But yeah, I mean, during the summer signing, let's, let's make that clear. During the right. summer signings, can you, I, I mean, I was stunned looking back on it. Like this is, <laughs> and they were burned. They had definitely been burned by the Carol, the Downing, Adam, everything before. Right. But just looking at that, just the summer signings, is one of the worst signing backings maybe maybe a manager <laughs> has really had. Like it's just <laughs> mind blowing. It uh it it is one of those where Joe Allen was Joe I mean in FSG's defense, so Brendan Rogers had a very particular kind of type of player that he went after. And it was, as we kind of found out through Stevie's revelations of, you know, he was the one 
calling up the big names because <laughs> Rodgers didn't have the pull. This is the type of player that he could get. Joe Allen, he you know, he managed at Swansea. He basically said, Hey, like, follow me on my new project. You're gonna be the the cog in this in this midfield. Um yeah. Barini, he coached at, at youth levels at Chelsea. And he Barini had been scoring at Roma. Um, Asaidi's kind of the outlier, but he was, you know, two and a half million. That was yeah. just a total shot in the dark. Um, but the funny thing that I remember at the time is the first few games of the season, Joe Allen impressed the shit out of people. <laughs> and I don't, it's just hilarious looking back that, you know, I think now, especially looking through the lens of some of the midfielders that have come through the club and, and even people who were at the club like Henderson, uh, have just kind of demonstrated how how lacking Joe was in in certain areas. Uh, where at Swansea, he wasn't scrutinized <laughs> at the level that that he is. You know, obviously playing week in and week out for Liverpool. Yeah. Um. So so moments of the season. The the best signing of the season is is really there's two and they're they're joint top for me. There's no. It was the winner business was unreal um, because for less than Joe Allen, uh, we signed Dan- <laughs> Daniel Sturridge. And for less than Barini, we signed Coutinho. So, um, I mean, stunning business, really, in the end. But two guys who at the time were not uh, were not known quantities, not guys who... Yeah, we didn't know that Sturridge was going to come in and fire in 20 league goals the next season. Um <laughs> He'd been in Chelsea's, you know, youth teams pr- practically and, and a bench player for the seniors. And then Coutinho had yeah. been loaned out by Inter to to Espanyol in Spain. And he was a complete, you know, unknown as well in terms of what he could actually bring. And, you know, later that season, both both are lighting it up in the Premier League. Because Coutinho was almost, he's kind of like those Brazilian players that they're the up and coming players. Then they get to about what their early twenties and they, they kind of fizzle out and, and they didn't kind of live up to what they were expected to be. And Coutinho looked like he was on that trajectory. So we, he was a big question mark in terms of what is, you know, didn't really offer anything at the clubs he was at, whether at Inter or on loan, but same thing for Surich, right? Like couldn't like, maybe he was actually like a Chelsea reject, you know, at the time. Like, so these players, <laughs> One for me, Coutinho is, uh, I think, without a doubt, not maybe not the best player that FSG have signed during their reign, but the best transfer. When you factor in the impact that he had, maybe not necessarily at the very start, but towards the end of this season, what we signed him for, the kind of longevity that we got out of him, and what we eventually sold him for, was just. Out, outrageous in terms of a transfer too but we know like my love affair with with Danny Sturridge is we don't need to go in depth about that it's been said it's been said <laughs> it's plenty well documented. too but it, there was kind of these just these moments and I don't think there is necessarily one but just the the collection of goals that he started scoring towards the end of the year and then into 13-14 where you kind of realize like even a little bit with Coutinho, like these players are world-class. Like there's no question, like 
we have an like for like about 20 million combined just an absolute coup in terms of what we signed and then obviously in the next season that started taking shape yeah i uh i will i will put my hands up and admit that at the time when we signed Sturridge i saw him as a as a wasteful player a selfish player um at chelsea and what I didn't really realize in in my limited exposure to to Sturridge at the time was he was being played out wide. Um, he wasn't playing being played through the center a lot at Chelsea, um, and so he was and he was mainly coming off the bench. So he was trying to take those opportunities when they when they came to yeah. him to prove himself. You know, he's twenty three years old. He's trying to break in, um, and it just wasn't happening for him at Chelsea. And so at the time, I really thought that he would be another. And you know, I'd been burned by Carroll as well. So you know, you see these <laughs> you see these guys come through, and and yeah. uh, you know, Sturridge obviously is still. And I'm happy to be able to say that is still an important part of the team uh, when he's healthy. Um, we obviously know his his injury record. Obvious, you know, that's goes without saying. But um, I'm happy to be able to say that he's still involved um, and still. Still doing absolute madness, uh, scoring against his old clubs. Um, so uh, the the one thing uh, that I do want to bring up about this season, so not transfer related, but um, these two things kind of go hand in hand, are this year is the year that we saw the rise of Raheem Sterling, um, yeah. who we had bought from QPR. Um as a youth player, um, he was 16, I believe when we actually bought him. And so he was coming up through the Academy and he had been brought into the senior squad and a moment between him and Brendan, what became widely (laughs) known due to the documentary being Liverpool airing on Fox sports and also across Europe. Uh, when, when Raheem told Brendan steady, and uh, Brendan responded by, say steady to me again, and you'll be on the first plane back, <laughs> which is still one of my favorite moments of <laughs> of Brendan's tenure. Um, but we saw the rise of Raheem Sterling, and, uh, and he actually uh, scored his first Liverpool goal in this season in a game, a one nothing win against Reading on the 20th of October. So... Yeah alongside the emergence of Suarez as a, as a serious danger man. Uh, we also had the other components of what was to be known as SAS, um, <laughs> AS basically triple S I think at some point during 13, 14, um, with Suarez, Sturridge and Sterling all being dangerous parts of the attack, uh, in the future. But we saw the emergence of Raheem Sterling in the season. Yeah. Oh, it also, the, the player that Suarez we had hoped he would be and would eventually become is, you know, even, even surpassing Gerard as the most noticeably like talented player right. on the squad. And I think even Suarez was in shouts to be, should have been player of the season. Was it Bale that won it? instead in 12-13 it may Can't have remember. been um suarez's season obviously marred by a couple of uh situations uh during this season 
Um, Situations, but, putting it lightly. But mainly, but, we hadn't talked to it. So in eleven twelve was the Evra was the Evra incident um, with yeah. Suarez, um, and then in twelve thirteen was the bite of Bronislav Ivanovic in a two two <laughs> draw against Chelsea, in which Suarez scored the equalizer deep in stoppage time. Uh, most of which was added on because he bit Ivanovic. <laughs> so uh, he earned himself his own equalizer. But it saw him banned for the last four games of that season and the first four games of the next. Uh, so that was uh, what basically gave Sturridge the spotlight from from that point on. Yeah. Um. So the... The thing I will say is that, like you said, Suarez kind of kind of emerged as as the the main man, uh, especially in attack, obviously. And his uh, his goal against Newcastle um, it ended up being a one one draw. Um, but the long ball from Enrique, uh, who we've already <laughs> we've already kind of <laughs> talked about, but a long ball forward from Enrique and the the take from Suarez onto his chest and then to roll the ball past the keeper and just roll it into the net. <laughs> One of the most amazing things I've ever seen in yeah. terms of control of the ball in he's under pressure from the defender. He's under pressure from the keeper and he's just completely unfazed and, and rolls the ball into the net after rounding them both. Well, yeah, kind of, like I said, the, the beginning of, of Suarez's brilliance, of course, marred, Obviously, with controversy, but mm-hmm. again, that's that's the Suarez story—not just at Liverpool, but really throughout his whole career. The Suarez Suarez kind of mirrors FSG in a way, in that everything that highs and everything good he does is is matched by something by something terrible. Um, <laughs> and so, I, I'd agree with you that Suarez was was our best player that season. Stevie Stevie gets a shout as always, but yeah. Um, and even like we said too, like Coutinho towards the end and, and Sturridge's Hall playing only in, you know, a small number of games pulled in I think like ten ten goals in the league and, and some assists too. So the uh the one thing we didn't talk about that I really remember from this season was was the Europa League. So we got out of the group and we got into a a uh, round of 32 <laughs> tie <laughs> against, does. against against Zenit. Um, Zenit. And even though we played okay in the first leg, we lost two nothing. Hulk uh, was was on song for for Zenit. But in the second leg, um, Suarez literally took over the game, and and that was uh, the first time that I'd ever seen Stevie taken off of a free kick by another player <laughs> that, so that was really eye-opening obviously to, to the level of Suarez's talent. Um, and he scored two direct free kicks in that game in the second leg against Zenit and yeah. nearly dragged us in through that tie. Um, cause the we second free kick be... tied it on aggregate and Zenit, uh, ended up going through on away goals, yeah. but we thought it was going to be one of those, one of those, not the best, but one of those European nights mm-hmm. at uh, at Anfield too. So yeah, but again, a little bit of heartbreak there. Yeah. So uh, so we end the season kind of on a high note um, of sorts with uh, a draw 
we had the late draw against Chelsea, and then obviously that's marred by Suarez's bite. He's he's banned for eight games, um, and then we go out the next game against Newcastle uh, away, and everyone's questioning, you know, what's going to happen, and we beat Newcastle six nil. So mm-hmm. that was where players like Sturridge and and Henderson and Coutinho all kind of showed uh, what what they could bring, and then. Ended the season on two straight wins. So there was actually kind of an air of optimism around the club entering the next season and, and for good reason as it would as it would prove. Um so thirteen fourteen. Well, hang on. Yeah. Because we have to mention one of our I think collectively yeah. most heartbreaking moments of two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen was that one a win against QPR. Oh, yes. In remembering what what could have been a 2-0 win with an absolute (laughs) screamer from a man who's been banging him in quite regularly since he's retired, umbrella or not. Yeah, umbrella. carriers, last gasp, just, what was it, like a, you know, it's probably like a 20, 25-yarder, but I'm going to say it's like at least 40 yards. Yes. Carrier about 40 40 yards out. Just rattling her, and it like many of Suarez's goals. Like how there's no justice in this universe. No, because that Carragher goal did not go in. It, so uh, it did mark Jamie Carragher's last season um, at the club, and it it was just one of those moments that felt like the fairy, you know, the fairy tale ending. To, to a long career, he made something like 700-plus appearances for the club in his time. Just an absolute workhorse. Uh, was it two goals in his career? How many goals? I think two or three, two, maybe. Three. He scored as many goals on match of the day as he has for <laughs> in his Liverpool career. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to verify just to be safe, but I do have the the audio from that goal or from the from the shot off the woodwork and I think it just it has to be a part of this. So head of this time from Queen's Park Rangers. Carragher urged to shoot. He will, you know. Oh, that was almost a fabulous farewell. Wow. Lisa Jamie Carragher. Well, yeah, it's been seven years since his last goal. Well, how close does he come here? He puts his foot right through it. Summed up right there. The gods were not looking down on him. 737 appearances, four goals. Should have been five. Should have been five. five. The the shot off the bar. If you haven't seen it, just 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 type uh, Carragher v QPR into into YouTube and and just enjoy the the sweetness of the strike. It'll it'll pain you, but you'll he catches it as well as you can like literally strikes it as purely as you can strike a, a football period. That makes me believe in a multi-universe theory because we just happen to live in the universe where that shot didn't go in. Like in 99.9% of all the other universes out there, that shot went in. Yeah. So. Well, and it not only did it go in, but you know, it won 
Liverpool the title. That's just we just live in the one universe where Liverpool's <laughs> cursed forever. Um, so that was the end of the season. The one the one goal in that game was scored by by Coutinho, um, and uh, one of the first of his long range strikes that yep. that we would come to enjoy over the next couple of years. Oh. So so for thirteen fourteen, you look at the business at the beginning and you think there's nothing happening kind of in, in, in the season when you look back on it in terms of, especially in the attack. Cause we, we saw, you know, Alberto and Aspas didn't, didn't pan out, <laughs> but we do have Simon Mignolet in there. Um, who at the time made a fairly impressive impact, uh, at least in his, his debut, saving the penalty to uh yep. to win to win against Stoke but but in that um in that campaign the players that had the biggest impact for me almost the biggest transfers of 13-14 are really Sturridge and Coutinho in the winter of the previous year Oh yeah just the <laughs> just the level of contribution I mean obviously not not taking away from Suarez but Right it, just to to clear the air, how dare you not mention, aside from Coutinho, the greatest Liverpool transfer, yes. not just of the FSG era, oh, I was getting, but I was in my getting. mind, of all time, was one <laughs> Mamadou Yusako for $15 million from from PSG. The club captain of PSG joins Liverpool for $15 million. Unreal piece of business. What should have been. Another, should, it's just the universe. The multiverse, yeah. Too. Like that, Sako didn't pan out. He did pan. It's not even they didn't pan out. That Sako was somehow screwed he by the universe or UEFA. I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing. But he, I don't know. You can't even say he and Van Dyke because Van Dyke plays on the left side. Sako plays on the left side. Anyway, we're we're in a good place now that I'm okay with it. But Mamadou Sako up there with Sturridge is just warms my heart as a Liverpool player. I uh for you said we weren't going to we weren't going to speak on him uh anymore but I'm bringing him up as one of the worst <laughs> transfers. <laughs> Tiago Alori the the Portuguese <laughs> signing from Sporting Sporting Lisbon uh for 7 million pounds in 13 How did he cost 7 million? I thought for sure that was going to be like an Asaidi like couple mil couple mil yeah throw away. 7 nope. mil's not it's not cheap. Him and Aspas cost the same, uh, and Alberto, I guess. So same as same as Coutinho, right? Yeah, just about. Tiago uh, Lori, it had to be bullshit, and maybe this is the only reason we bought him. Like, apparently broke Ronaldo's like sprint record or something. Yeah, at Sporting. But when I went back, because I forgot, I like I said, I had forgotten all about. Tiago Lori. Like, I seriously have not thought of him for years. So I went back to his page. I didn't see any indication. Like, his time spent at Reading, it basically says, like, he, he fouled somebody and gave away a penalty. Like, that's been <laughs> the past few years at Reading. Like, if he, he had actually. He's one goal beat, at Reading. He has scored <laughs> one a goal. goal. Okay. I, there are a couple of FIFAs, though, where he would pan out to be a good 90-rated center back. And I think even England wanted to woo him from, from <laughs> Portugal. But 
I, I forgot he existed. Yeah. What about Colo Torre on a free? Colo Torre, I'll I'll say that's that's not that's not bad. That that ended up being okay. I'm fine yeah, with that. business. What I love about maybe we're just subconsciously trying to avoid what was one of the biggest highs and one of the biggest lows was the 13-14 season. Right. It's tough to it it is tough to to address the 13-14 because it was such a great year that but as Liverpool fans and and with the kind of the the league focus in mind whenever you come close like it's even one thing to make it to a Champions League final like we did last season and and lose cuz it's a toss up right like it's yeah. it, it's a 50-50 once you get into the final it it just you know it's not it's not dependent on how you've done in the tournament up till then it's you know it it's purely dependent on on those 90 minutes the thing about coming close in the league is that when you come close in the league and you don't get it that's 38 games that's, that's a long 8 haul. months that you that you've been chasing that goal and to come up just short is so painful it's it's absolutely ridiculous um i will say that uh that 13 14 in terms of the best moments um the that match against arsenal oh yeah when we weren't really seeing ourselves as title contenders at the time you know, we were making sure that we were getting top four. We were we were be, trying to gain consistency, especially defensively, um, and to come out the gates. And Arsenal was top of the league at that at the time of kickoff. They were top. Like this was not we beat up on you know some some like mid table team or, or whatever. This was <laughs> this was two of the two of the top teams in the league meeting. And to come out the gates at Anfield and just absolutely destroy them from the kickoff, it was something I'd never seen it. Any, I'd never seen yeah. anything like it. No, that was I, – I loved it too because one of – I think it was the first – when we lost to Arsenal earlier in the season, I was actually watching that – I think it was in Barcelona with a group of Liverpool fans in some random pub there. And it was kind of like we, we had – been doing well at the time, but that kind of brought us back down to earth. Um, right. What was it? Was it the United match that season where we won? Three nothing. I, I love that mo- that game to me. Like when Sturridge, I think it was Sturridge got the early goal, and it was just. I remember watching like somewhat early in the morning when the first matches of the season. Oh and that yeah, the me, one the one nothing at at Anfield. yeah over United. Yeah. And I just remember like clinging to life for about the next 80 minutes. Like, yes. <laughs> I don't like Cubs Indians game seven. Obviously yeah. there's, there's a diff- different stakes on the line here, but just the amount of just like attention and just brain power you're investing in this nervousness that you have throughout a match this is that was almost to me like the moment where like football just became like the sport right. like where i started looking at it in a different light in terms of 
what this game means over 90 minutes and how different it is to every other sport. So it, it, just that one nothing went over United and then, you know, Arsenal kind of brought us down to earth. That Boxing Day window against City and Chelsea where I think it was it where Sterling was Sterling was on side. Yeah. Should have gotten a result. Anyway, you know, there's yeah, so many different been. moments like that throughout was, the season. But you're right. Like, Arsenal, yeah. that destruction of them was something we hadn't we hadn't really seen. We've seen some really good results against other sides, even against Tottenham. But right. like you said, Arsenal being top of the league was this was kind of a holy shit moment for us. Like something something's gonna happen this season. Yeah. But my one of my favorite moments is that I was traveling for work and I had seen it that day and the very next day I was in an airport and there is this Arsenal fan, as as many US fans are, like thought the game was live, like they were replaying it on the next day. <laughs> and just the joy, the joy that I had sitting in the airport watching this replay in this Arsenal fan just be destroyed by what he saw because he thought it was all happening live. I and I was just sitting there, just enjoying it for the second time in as many days. <laughs> um, the uh, I think in terms of the best, the best actual moment there, you can't in you know in retrospect, it's not the best moment because it didn't actually end the way that that everybody envisioned. I think. Um, but the Coutinho goal against City is just, I've never, as a Liverpool fan, I've never felt closer to the title. Like, I've never felt like we're actually going to do it. Yeah. And that was the one moment where I thought, oh, my God, like, this is happening, you know? Uh, and it, it's as painful as it is uh, to talk about now, uh, you know, knowing what knowing what transpired from there. Uh, you fell off the couch, right? Huh? You fell off your couch or whatever. Oh, that's, all, that's what I remember afterwards is you like calling or texting me saying like, because <laughs> this is this is like our the start of the Gringos era. It is. So right? it's it 13, was, 14. It was a couple. This is this is a very mixed time for me. There's a lot of emotions <laughs> going on during this time. And I just have to be I have to be. Uh, emotions. It. It is. I I have to I have to be I have to be fully fully transparent here. So 2000, uh, 2014 um, is actually the year I got married as well. Yeah. And of all the weekends, so I got I got married the twenty sixth of April two thousand fourteen. The twenty seventh of April was the <laughs> was the Chelsea match. And I remember checking my phone because, you know, the day after my wedding, I'm not going to watch. I like that was the one, the one exception um, to not waking up and watching the Liverpool match. And I checked my phone and I saw Demba Ba's name on, on my alerts. And it was just one of those where I'm like, Mourinho did it again. Like that's a yeah, like, that's fucking Mourinho, you know. Um and then the uh the first match that we that we watched uh after we had met was the City Everton 
game in which Howard absolutely just I beefed it. <laughs> <laughs> we watched that. That was the first match we watched at uh, at Corner Tavern, and then the next match we watched was Liverpool oh, Crystal Palace. <laughs> so we just we had the worst possible introduction. <laughs> it was it was bad. Like everybody. Everybody points to the Demba Bakul, Gerard slipping. That wasn't the worst moment. It was because that, like from the very start, the all game long mm-hmm. against that Mourinho side, that is exactly what he set out to do. Yeah. Was And it was frustrating at the time because Chelsea, I think, were still in the picture. They and it was been, just... And then Barini... Yeah scored against them late oh, to the, beat the them. penalty yeah, yeah yeah and and had actually kind of knocked them out of the title race so he was yeah. purely playing spoiler he wasn't yeah. he wasn't in the in the picture really yeah. anymore and he did it and he played it to perfection as he always does but the palace result was the most heartbreaking kind yeah. of moment and and it kind of was became this trend after that like once we capitulated to Palace next season, even early under Klopp, like giving up these leads, but because the high of going up against Palace, because at the time we felt that, okay, it's still, we're going to draw equal on points with City. Suarez bags one, he, you know, he grabs the ball, he runs back and they're thinking like, we're going for goal differential. We needed something like six or seven that match to match city and we're like, holy shit, like this, like this team is going all out. There's this still, there's this piece of hope that we have. And then for it to kind of all crumble and, and, and Suarez and tears afterwards and Gerard, like shielding from shielding from the camera. That was, I don't, that, that to me was the lowest, the lowest point of that season. Probably, I mean, Europa and and the Champions League final are tough, but that yeah. moment was was crushing. I think I went home. I had a sledgehammer, and I just took the sledgehammer to like we had all this like pavement in the back of our house or whatever, and I just started <laughs> sledgehammering shit. Like I believe it, it was it was bad. The the um the upside is that we had tons of of positive moments to to kind of choose from in that season and goals, especially Suarez put on an absolute show, obviously tied the record um, for goals in a season. And he actually was suspended for the first five games. So um, (laughs) unreal return. Um, But is there a specific goal that, that sticks out? Um, Cause I mean, there were some, there were some buttes. In, uh, I want to say just play the Suarez. Was it the first matchup against Norwich when he the four goals? Was it the first, the first one or the second one? Yeah, where just like I don't know, like almost like the, the just the volley from like half from yeah. like halfway was was kind of capped it all off. So yeah, that that was kind of it for me. But really, you could. Jesus, how many how many goals did we score this season? Like hundred and one, the sheer number. Hundred one league goals. Hundred one. And oh, here's the thing about thirteen, fourteen. We never should have been in the running. Now you got to say you got to be able to take your chance when it's there. Lester did it, but 
how many did we give up 50 goals in the league that season? We gave up a lot. Um, like you should never be a title contender giving up the amount of goals that we gave up that season. So yeah. the fact that, that our offense somehow carried it was, was beyond. Yeah, me. we gave up, we gave up 51, I believe. Jesus. So what's the title winning side? Like 30? Yeah. 30 to 40? Yeah. Yeah. Despite the, despite the two red gringos getting off the ground in, in 13, 14, uh, this is right at the, the early stages of, of El Paso Reds and Juarez as they're known. Um, but on the back of that, that triumph, uh, we have Luis Suarez goes to the 2014 world cup. And there had been some rumors about him potentially being a, a target from Barcelona. And he did everything in his power to force that move. <laughs> by biting Giorgio Chiellini in Uruguay's group stage match against Italy. Uh, and just like that, 30-plus league goals were gone from Liverpool's like lineup. That. You want to talk about highs and lows, again, encapsulated by Suarez, that we got to go, myself, along with one at 4-4 Spew, a.k.a. Darby Daniels, a.k.a. King Darbo, a.k.a. my brother, and <laughs> Wade Berger, formerly known, he's quit Twitter, formerly known as A. Cheeseburger. Right. We got to go to Brazil. We saw, sitting in the front row of Uruguay, England, Suarez put England to the sword, Yep. as one might say, only to be sitting in just some English pub in the middle of Sao Paulo watching the match and hearing like some rumbling coming from another room and finding out that Suarez had bitten Chiellini and, 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 and that was, that was kind of it for that era in the beginning of the downfall. It was, uh, it, it felt calculated. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, the, uh, we had known that, that Barca were in for Suarez. He had had an unreal season but we, I think, coming that close to the title and making the Champions League for the first time since Suarez had been at the club, I think we all felt fairly secure in the fact that Suarez would want to pursue, you know, a Champions League campaign and another league campaign with mm-hmm. Liverpool. And I, I, do, I don't think any of us really left that thirteen fourteen season thinking, oh, Suarez is off. Um, and yet, there we were at the end of the World Cup, Suarezless, and uh, and a little less rich than we thought we would get off of a, a player of that caliber. <laughs> Didn't quite get the haul that that was expected. I I think if we talk about FSG's business, that's the one time that I think we've really gotten fleeced, uh, but on an out an outgoing transfer. Um, just one of those times that I I really yeah. I really think that that FSG didn't didn't do quite as much as they could have uh, in in keeping Barca at bay, like they demonstrated with with Coutinho later later on, where we we really got you know we milked Barca for for every for every dollar. Uh, oh yeah, 
maybe that in the only other thing which we've debated in previous episodes was or actually a couple of them too i mean you can look back and maybe say it's tough to say given the form that he had for 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 liverpool leading up to that point um but suso in the 14-15 season went to milan for almost nothing um, and a, but then on the opposite end, a player that we signed for what was a, a, a great 10 mil at the time, Emery Chan leaving on a free, free later on. But it goes into the whole wage structure, how you deal with players like that. So I kind I kind of get it. But but yeah, that the Suarez losing him for what was it like 65 to 70, 75, something like mm-hmm. that was was small at a time when the transfer market was starting to take the shape of what it is now. Right. So we we moved into the 14-15 season minus minus our top scorer and you know one of the most influential players at the club. And the business that we did in this summer, uh, we obviously I think the the biggest thing to address is despite all of this other business that we did our pursuit of Alexis Sanchez uh, out of Barcelona and kind of seen as that replacement for Suarez and our ultimate failure to secure his signature due to, due to his uh, wife's willingness to, to live in (laughs) London kind of defined the whole season, I think in, in a kind of sick and twisted way in that we, spent the whole season aiming very high and ultimately coming up quite a bit short. Yeah. But I mean if you remember, we were we were excited at the start of 1415. We were blindly excited. I blame maybe what was the high of the season was actually preseason in that 4-0 win against Dortmund. <laughs> this was this is a rough rough season cuz season because we invested a lot 117 million dollars spent and and some and they weren't all bad but the signings that we think about like especially at the time like Balotelli we thought that we had this combination to replace Suarez but it's really just you you never give up you know the a diamond for a poo-poo platter right because you're (laughs) you're never going to get the same thing but we had like Markovic coming in, we thought, and I, I can't even believe that we didn't list Markovic as one of the worst signings because oh, twenty million to, at the time was still. I, I'm big. about to bring him up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but Markovic at the time was this. Maybe this is like we bought him for about the same as Suarez. Uh, I think he was a bit younger. Like he could become this world class player. That, that we need that could kind of play in a, an attacking role, maybe off the wing. But then we also had uh, Divac Origi off the back of, a, I don't know if it was a, a, a great World Cup, but a pretty good performance for a young player in a World Cup. And we thought, I don't, I don't know how, but we thought Balotelli always going to be, <laughs> always going to be okay, and he would produce the type of goals that that Suarez was capable of too. Um, None of those, Riggi's <laughs> still here, but none of those really, none of those really panned out. It's it's funny to look at this business honestly because it is such a such a mixed bag 
uh, <laughs> as far as... So, <laughs> Ricky Lambert and Adam Lallana both signed from Southampton. Lambert, obviously seen as a depth striker, and it was explained that, you know, like, we're in the Champions yeah. League now. We need to compete on all fronts. He's a guy who's been bagging goals for Southampton. He's a poacher kind of guy. He's going to get goals. Oh, Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and just completely <laughs> was he, – he just wasn't as advertised. You know, he wasn't the player that he was at Southampton anymore. Um, Lalana took a while to get going, and then even when he got going, wasn't really what we what we expected. Um, especially for twenty five million too. Yeah, uh, oh. it's it's funny to look back on this, but at the time, I would have I would have called Lovren a complete failure. You know, like in terms of he came into the team, he was he was horrible. Like he was not good. Uh, but now looking back, you know, on this past season, he's, he's been all right. So long-term he hasn't, you know, he's not, he's not quite the disaster. He's, he's impressed alongside Virgil van Dyke. Right. Yeah. And he's given us some good moments. That's what I'll give. That's what Uh, I'll give Dan Lovren. Arigi, Moreno, like all of these players have the like upside of, you can think about the moments where, Especially Origi. Uh, I think Origi's a really interesting one because we we loaned him back to Lille, I think, for that season. Um, and then he joined the team the next season. He's one of the most influential players, players initially under Klopp uh, who, you know, just has completely fell off, obviously. Um, and it's just a, it's a weird arc uh, for Origi. And then uh, Moreno kind of plays into almost like the false start to the season because 14-15 had this beginning to the season where yeah. we we squeaked out a win against Southampton and then we went to City and we got beat handily and it was like, okay, well, it's Aguero, it's, you know, like, it's City, like, yeah, we're still figuring out the, the new team. And then we went to Tottenham. We went to Tottenham and and I don't know, like, we were watching this game at Corner Tavern, and um, the the moment that Moreno dispossessed Townsend, <laughs> runs the length of the field and scores. I I like we're out of our out of our chairs, you know, because it's three yeah. nothing at that point, and we're all thinking, "Oh my god, you know, like this is we've got the next great." Liverpool left back like we found this guy and he's just going to be an absolute monster yeah. <laughs> and we all know we how I hopes for Moreno at the start we all like know this... how Moreno's career went from there but it's just it, it it's crazy to think that that win against Tottenham really set kind of a weird expectation of where Liverpool were going to be that season yeah it just never hit that height um really really again um it was just a load of inconsistent performances uh, through the season where we would, you know, we would go, we'd beat Leicester 3-1, and then we'd draw Sunderland 0-0, yep. and then we'd lose to United 3-0. And it's like, okay, what is this team? You know, like, what, what, what are we actually accomplishing with this team? And that was, that was kind of and where even, we sat all season. 
even when what Rogers, I think it was after United, where it was clear that that just there was something wasn't right, and I think he switched to the back three after that, and mm-hmm. we strung off maybe about ten or so games without a loss. Yeah, and, eleven, 11 but, with, or twelve actually. Uh, a twelve, without, yeah. Without so losing. there's, but I, I don't know if you, but I remember at the time just thinking like, like this can't last. Right. Like what we're what we're stringing together is like makeshift, and it's not, it, it's not really going to hold up over the course of the season. But I think one of I'll say one of the best moments of fourteen fifteen, aside from maybe that high hopes for Moreno that came crashing back down, was it, it's not even a highlight; it's a low of fourteen fifteen. But in terms of progress that we made now, looking at the squad and our performance now, last season under Klopp in the Champions League, compared to the Champions League performance in fourteen fifteen was insulting <laughs> to like the performance of 1450 in the champions league. It's not even the lowest point of that season was just insulting to say what you will about Liverpool. We've got, you know, five European trophies and it was like fielding a throwaway squad at the Bernabeu in Madrid. Just, just nothing. So that was, that was a low. Oh yeah, uh, one one win in the group stage uh, in the opener against Ludogorets, and then a loss away to Basel, a three a three nothing loss at Anfield to to Madrid, a one nothing loss at the Bernabeu, uh, which did see the best Colo Torre moment, in which he picked up Steve possession old? and dribbled past like Ronaldo and a couple other players like <laughs> uh but and then a a 2-2 draw uh at Ludogorets and a uh a ultimately eliminating draw against Basel at home uh which was only a draw because Stevie hit a free kick in in a, in uh the late stages and it looked like maybe he had spurred a comeback a la, oh, yeah. you know, Olympiacos 2005, but it was not to be. And then to further add on to the embarrassment, a 1-1 aggregate draw against Besiktas forced penalties in the knockout stage of uh, of the Europa League once we dropped <laughs> into that. And uh, 5-4 loss on penalties uh, in which Lovren, I think, missed the decisive penalty um, there and kind of cemented his uh, place as a, whatever the opposite of a fan favorite is. <laughs> is it the, uh, the, so we know goat as the greatest of all time, but goat oh, is well, also, is also used as, as like the, the worst, like, yeah, yeah the, the, the scapegoat. The scapegoat, yeah. So he is the bad goat. <laughs> right. He's the, he is the bad. Yeah. So yeah. from this point he moving forward, when goat, we refer yeah. to Lovren as the goat. <laughs> but not the goat. You do not mean the greatest of all time. Like, you, people should now know that. Yeah. 
it's important to mention uh, as as uh, you know the two red gringos had kind of expanded from here. This was um, the season in which Liverpool reached the FA Cup semifinal, um, and oh. I, I just want to talk. There there are some rough performances along the way to a semifinal here. Um, in the third round, we were matched up against AFC Wimbledon. <laughs> and it took two St- Steven Gerrard goals to to beat Wimbledon, uh, two to one. Uh, a scoreless draw at home to Bolton forced a replay in Bolton, um, which we won two one. A late goal from Philippe Coutinho <laughs> won that one. Uh, we beat Crystal Palace two one in the fifth round, and then a sixth round draw against Blackburn at home uh forced a replay which <laughs> we won one nothing in Blackburn and then uh and then famously uh as we found out at Corner Tavern Aston Villa triumphed over Liverpool at Wembley two to one after oh. Raheem Sterling actually or was it now I'm questioning, was it Sterling or Coutinho? I believe it was Sterling who scored the opener. Um, and then Villa scored two goals to eliminate Liverpool from the FA Cup and, and eliminate any any type of, of positives being taken from this just absolutely awful season. And, and there are too many, like, <laughs> horrible transitions into the next season. And... So it was, I think, was it Benteke that dominated, that dominated us? Yes. Got at least one goal. I don't think he got the second, but dominated us in that FA Cup semifinal as the local villain was screaming at us, like, who are you? So that was, <laughs> that was a miserable performance. And then, of course, we went out and made things more miserable by signing Benteke the next season. Right. But... <laughs> It was actually, it, I, I stand corrected, it was Coutinho who scored the opener, and then Benteke equalized six minutes later, and it was actually Fabian Delph who scored the winner on 54 minutes. So, so but out of all that, like, <laughs> end of the season, nothing on the line except let's give, give Gerard uh, a send-off, right? Stoke six, Liverpool one. Yep. Just unforgivable. Probably the worst, the worst non like something on the line moment, right? That that to me was, and I was thinking about. It. I'm like, why? How does Rogers stick around after that performance? And if you look at the now as if as we enter brighter days during the Klopp era did FSG know had they planned it out from the time that Klopp had said I'm going to retire from Dortmund at the end of the season did they go out immediately and, and and talk to him and get him because that's the only thing that makes sense to me now is that that was kind of, Klopp must have been in the picture 
as the obvious replacement when Rogers' time is kind of come and gone, and Stoke was just the ultimate, all, kind of the ultimate moment that showed it, it, it's just not good enough. It's not going to work. Yeah, I uh, if I remember right from because I I read uh, Raphael Honigstein's uh, really good book bring the bring the noise uh about Jurgen Klopp oh, yeah. um highly recommended for anyone who hasn't hasn't read it LFC fan or otherwise uh, but the the moment where they approach him had actually he had already turned down United um because United were trying to get him in the wake of of Van Hall and mm-hmm. uh when he had turned them down and said it was too soon. It, he wasn't he wasn't ready to get back into managing. But this was around um, kind of the same time, uh, and so I think FSG had contacted him and he had kind of expressed interest, but wasn't really ready to get back into management yet. Uh, was yeah. still on vacation, and then uh, they just they just held out until until October and. Yeah, I think it was always the plan. Um, he just he just hadn't uh, he wasn't ready to pull the trigger on a on a full time yeah. job yet. Uh, but that six one one hundred percent sealed Rogers' fate. Um, yeah, that I mean it's it's up there with one of the most embarrassing losses in the club's history. And to to make it that that was Gerard's last game in in a Liverpool shirt. It, I mean it's just it's unforgivable. There's there's yeah. no I mean take all of the other context out of it and and the performance in the league and cuz you know uh Liverpool do you know they finish 6, they qualify for the Europa League, but it just didn't matter after a 6-1 <laughs> at Stoke of all places. Um that performance with the Champions League Oh, just overall performance. There it was, was just, and then afterward, like the Gerard, he's having to make calls for transfers. Yeah, I think it was like Cruz and all this. It was just, it it just became clear that, I mean, think about Rogers and in, in terms of like if he was a player, like he had hit his ceiling on what we were going to accomplish with him, and if you let. Charlie Adams score against you. Yeah. Let alone Stoke to put up six. It, <laughs> so and so I was thinking about, and I was scored. just thinking, it <laughs> crouched too. Like, but that 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 kind of showed me that that was the only reason that they must have kept Rodgers around is that they were just waiting, just waiting for the moment to bring Klopp in. So, on the back of of that embarrassment. Um, at Stoke, we start out the next the next summer, and looking at this minus minus really one name, um, <laughs> or no two names, sorry, <laughs> minus two names. This transfer business is actually fairly solid um, across it's the good. board. A lot of money spent, though. A lot of but, money spent. Um, but I, we did I sell Sterling. This was and and. This, that's maybe the maybe the biggest the biggest moment of of fifteen sixteen is the fact that Raheem Sterling, who 
I actually would put him uh, along with actually Jordan Henderson in fourteen fifteen on a a place where like those two players kind of kind of emerged as uh, as important players for the club, and suddenly Sterling, you know, refusing to sign a new contract, uh, was sold off to City for. Uh, upwards of 40 million pounds. Um, and uh, obviously he's since held a, a very kind of negative role in, in Liverpool, Liverpool fans perspective. But, uh, but the business in um, as I look across was actually pretty good um, on, you know, <laughs> when you take all of the context into account, uh, looking from now. All right. So here's, maybe it's a trick question for you, but rumblings are going around LSC Twitter recently with a potentially great, one of the greatest signings who was, what is the best piece of business in this transfer window? Okay. It's a trick question because so I know piece of what you, a, what your heart, what your heart wants to say. Piece of business is is a is a very that's a tricky term. Like that, you're drawing <laughs> me in with piece of yeah, business. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to set you up because so, we know what the right answer is, but then peel back a few layers, look five years of the future. Exactly. And so maybe there's a different answer, right? And I, and I'll leave that I'll leave that to you. So I'll I'll hit the I'll hit the softball while while it's up there. Um, Roberto Firmino for, for less than 22 million, um, is, has proven to be, you know, unreal. Um, yeah. what I like in, in a way because of, you know, who I am, what I like about the Firmino transfer is the fact that it wasn't immediately apparent that it was a good piece of business. You know, he didn't hit the ground running, um, Especially, he was played. Let Let's just make this abundantly clear. And another reason why Rodgers just deserved the sack is he was playing Firmino at right wing back at times <laughs> <laughs> in his five three two. So let's just let's just establish that. Uh, but Firmino has established himself since then as probably the most unique forward in world football in terms of what he brings to a, to a team. I, I genuinely don't think that there's anyone like him. Um, yeah. In the, in the pressing, the passing legitimately last season, you know, Mo Salah is not Mo Salah without Firmino. And that's, and that's, uh, that's where I stand. So for 22 mil or whatever it ended up being with the, you know, bonuses and all that stuff, he's, uh, an absolute steal and uh and has proven to be one of the most important players for the club but i know who you will take and it's probably <laughs> the right answer given the context of this season no it's because i i don't know if we think about overall great transfers like coutinho suarez suarez you can even say wasn't necessarily sold for as much as he could have and maybe didn't play as as many years as it takes 
Sala Van Dyke, we can point to those recent ones as saying these these are game changers, but they don't have the longevity. And I'm saying that now to lead up to who he brought in from Charlton for $3.5 million this season was one Big Joe Gomez, who was a, a feature of our last episode. But just what he's done, even before he got injured, performances that he was putting in at center back for England while he was playing right back at the start for us recently, not necessarily in 15-16, but what he's done recently, like we could look back on that and see one of the truly great transfers if he continues on this, not even continues on this trajectory. If he continues his form as a mainstay at the club for years, it's it's an unbelievable transfer too. But then you've got Milner on a free, you've got all these other ones. But I want to go back to Roberto Firmino because I remember maybe two people that were, no, we don't say this often. And some, some people were happy, some people were excited. Actually, I do say this often. Two people that were really just jacked to the tits for Roberto Firmino. The two right gringo zone, Phil Bakke. And the second, if you if you recall correctly, was one at the time, Manhattan Doc, <laughs> who was also jacked for Roberto Firmino. Just about everybody else, it was kind of like, meh. So three people were excited. I was excited because I was following along what, with, with what you were saying and also with what Manhattan Doc were saying. But right. that, that was kind of the pinnacle for Manhattan Doc. You've held your own over the years, but he has been on, a, on a, just a steep, steep decline. <laughs> Similar to maybe the worst signing, <laughs> arguably, during the FSG area, one Christian Benteke. Yeah. Um, the, one we, the, the one we've, we've neglected, and I'm surprised that you, that you also didn't go this route. I'm not surprised that you, didn't, that you praised Joe, because he, he deserves it. But Nathaniel Klein for $10 million, Yeah. That's a, that's a signing that... Over yes, recently you know Kleine hasn't had the the impact uh, that he had initially, but I can I can say that and and we talked about this in in very early episodes of the two red gringos. If you de- dive deep in the archives, Nathaniel Klein was week in and week out the best player oh. Liverpool had for two seasons. Two seasons. He he was consistently the best player, uh, and it was it was kind of re- of a return to the I would say the more early years of Glenn Johnson, um, like when yeah. we first picked him up. Uh, the consistent right back play, not necessarily mind blowing, not necessarily you know uh, flashy in any way, but just a consistently good performer, both defensively and and going forward. Um, and uh, so for $10 million, he's he's definitely been value for money over the years. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just love Big Joe recently, too. But I don't know. The Klein and, and Johnson shouts are, are pretty similar because both, both had like a, maybe Johnson's a little bit longer. But definitely for about a couple, a couple years there, Glenn Johnson was – one of the best fullbacks in the league, definitely one of the best right backs. Same for Nathaniel Klein, like just for two seasons. And then they both kind of hit this minutes 
time played wall where they picked up injuries and they just weren't the same after that. Johnson first, then we brought in Klein. Or no, who do we bring in? Oh, the Spanish guy. Mankiw. Before Klein. Javier, yeah. Javier Mankiw. <laughs> and same things happened to Klein, though. Like just the workload that he put in from 1516 to 1617. Uh, I, I was open about wanting to get my Klein jersey, and then there were rumors of him going to Barcelona, and I was like, okay, <laughs> let me back out of this. And I, by then it was too late. I had already doomed him. He picked up a, what, a back injury or something, and then I don't know. Then he started like whatever they do with balloons in the UK. I, I don't know what they do with balloons in, in heroin or whatever it is. Nitrous. So that popped up. Nitrous. I don't know. Maybe helium. I don't know. With That's it. all I know about. That popped up. Some of the recent stories about, you know, paying for sex shoes, the yacht story. <laughs> like, it's just, like it's just like taking away from how good Klein was at a time when we had a Skirtle, Lovren, Moreno, Mignolet, <laughs> Klein, back five. Oh. Like, no shit we're shipping 50 goals a season <laughs> with that defense. So God, God bless him. Yeah. 